Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to tune in to this week's message. agree with that fact this morning? That he is one. Feelings won't win in the end. Jesus Christ and the fact of his resurrection has already won. Amen. Amen. Well, I told the early gathering that I've never personally um, felt more loved, felt more that I belonged than being here at Dwelling Place. And that is our prayer for you as well, that you would know that feeling and that reality. So all good reports from DP Orlando. We had a great growth phase launch Thursday. And um, they know that you all have sown financially into them. They know that you all are praying for them. And they are grateful. Amen. And, you know, we're not competent, but God is competent. And we're not sufficient enough for what he's doing, but he's sufficient enough. So praise his holy name. And uh, just to remind you, of course, as Pastor Craig mentioned, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, there's times when we gather that he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man, but to God. And Paul says, as you continue to read, I will sing in the spirit, I will pray in the spirit, and I will sing with my understanding, and I will sing with my understanding as well. And so... That is people worshiping and expressing unto God. What takes place from here to there is to the community. And there's a difference there. In April, we are in a series, of course, called Pain Management. And Pastor Craig wonderfully kicked us off looking at the purpose behind the pain. Looking at growing through the pain. And today I want to teach a message titled Understanding the Pain. And you have your sermon card there, and my goal today, more than going one, two, three, four, is to get Christ who's on the inside of me to manifest and show up on the outside of me to speak, touch, and minister to your life. And uh, I want to begin by saying, when we talk about understanding the pain, that we start with what Pastor Craig's already talked about, that we understand there is a purpose behind the pain. And we understand one of those purposes is the intended growth that God desires for you, for I, for all of us. You know, oftentimes we want to understand every detail of the pain. Truth of the matter is, we rarely understand 100% of everything regarding the pain we face. The Bible's very clear that in this time we see dimly through a glass. And though we probably will never understand every detail attached to the pain we face, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to understand main things regarding the pain that I face, you face, and we face. So I want to start reading two passages from 1 Peter. And, uh, you know, God gave his word to us inspired by his Holy Spirit. And the Bible's very clear. He gave his word to accomplish a purpose. One of the purposes behind the letter of 1 Peter 
is for when we're dealing with suffering or the issue of submission to God and His working and to His process. We're going to go today through several verses consecutively once we get into it in the, the letter titled 1 Peter. But I want to read two passages of that letter up front. 1 Peter 1 and verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Notice Peter said, you gird up the loins of your mind. You can't gird up the loins of someone else's mind. You can only gird up the loins of your mind. You can only prepare your own mind, is what he's saying. And he says, be sober, be alert. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ. God wants to bring more of His grace into your life today. Notice God is trying to bring things into our life. And He's not trying to bring condemnation and guilt. He's trying to bring His grace. And though we wait for the ultimate experience of grace at the return of Jesus Christ, God is wanting to bring grace right into the midst of your crisis, your suffering, your pain, and what you're facing today. God wants to bring His grace into it. Then he says in verse 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to your former lust as in your ignorance. Notice that our obedience comes after God bringing grace into our life. Because God has acted through Jesus Christ, because God has done something for us, because of what God has done, it can produce a response of obedience in our life. And then he says, as in your ignorance. You know, my pinky toe is not where you find ignorance, even when I stump it on that chair walking through the kitchen. My elbow is not where you find ignorance. You find ignorance in the mind. He's dealing with understanding. He says, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Then 1 Peter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. Notice he's talking again about mind, where we understand. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, unbelievers, when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and ab abominable idolatries. You know, when we talk about understanding the pain, the largest categories I know of is good pain and bad pain. I know of no larger con uh, context, no larger categories than that. For example, in 1 Peter 4 and 15, he speaks of bad pain. He says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. That is bad pain. What is bad pain, you're thinking? Bad pain is unnecessary pain. If I tell you not to put your hand on the stove because it's hot, and you do it anyway, that equals bad pain. It's unnecessary pain. You could have learned the lesson of don't put your hand on a hot stove without actually putting your hand on a hot stove. I told the early gathering, I have a cousin, and growing up she lived in an apartment, and when she was little, you know those little grills that are real, real low to the ground and real small? Well, they weren't watching her for a moment. And my little cousin, when she was young, she went and the grill had been on and they had cooked and she thought it was a seat, as a little child would do. And she sat on that little grill. She got tattooed in a way she didn't want to get tattooed. And she learned a lesson 
in a way that she didn't necessarily have to learn it. Somebody say, that's bad pain. But there's also good pain. 1 Peter 4.16, right after Peter talks about bad pain, he speaks of good pain. He says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. See, good pain is when you suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. When you suffer for the cause of Christ, for the sake of his kingdom, for the sake of his glory. That equals Peter saying, that equals good pain. For instance, young people taking their Bible to school and in the cafeteria at lunch, they're not only going to feed their growing bodies. How I many you know that, that youth and high schoolers, they eat? Amen. I got a seven-year-old and he's already starting and I know it only increases from them. Uh, from there. So I might have to start planting some cabbage or something to help out. Amen. <laughs> Get them some food. But um, straight from the earth. But but maybe they're not only going to feed their natural body, but they're going to feed their inner man in the cafeteria and open their Bible. Read the Word of God while they're there. The lunchtime. And people make fun of them because they pray for their food because they read the Word. That is good pain. That's suffering for the name and the cause of Jesus Christ. If you go to a doctor, find out there's cancer in your leg, then the doctor cuts it out so that the cancer does not spread. That is good pain. It's pain, but it's pain that leads to health. It's pain that promotes health in your life. If you go to the gym and work out or you run down the steps to the refrigerator like me and are out of breath a little bit, that is good pain. Why? Because it's pain that's promoting health. It's pain that's strengthening your body. It's good pain. Exercise is good pain. See, good pain is pain that cuts away the bad in our life. How is the doctor and the pain associated with you taking cancer out of a leg, how is that good pain? Because it keeps the cancer from spreading and causing more bad pain. It's pain, but it's good pain because it's intended to cause less pain from happening or more pain from happening. See, good pain cuts out the bad so that the bad doesn't lead to more bad pain. See, if good pain is God cutting out bad in our life because if the bad stays in our life, the bad in our life is going to lead to more bad pain, more lessons that we learn the hard way. So good pain is God trying to deal with the bad that's in our life to cut it out so that the bad doesn't lead to more bad pain, more unnecessary pain, learning more lessons the hard way. As some people say, yeah, I didn't graduate from high school, but I graduated and I made my own diploma from the school of hard knocks whose colors are black and blue. Listen, you don't want to always learn from the school of hard knocks and wear the colors of black and blue. So good pain is God is dealing with the bad so that the bad doesn't multiply and lead to more bad pain in our life. That's why it's good. So there's good pain and there's bad pain. But let me help you and encourage you up front today. Though there is bad pain, God can still take the bad pain and work it for his good in you. That means everywhere you look, you are surrounded by the good working of God. Even when you've learned the hard way, even if you were a slow learner like me or would 
choose your own path and learn the hard way. God still can take the bad pain, the unnecessary way of learning lessons you need to learn in life, and He can still cause it to bring His good in your life. He can cause the good pain to lead to good, and He can take the bad pain and cause it to lead for good. Everywhere you look, God is working for His good in you. Everybody say there's good pain. Say there's bad pain. But you know there's also another kind of good pain. It is often what I like to consider mysterious pain. It's very mysterious when we encounter it. I like to refer to it as kingdom pain. It's pain that is still a result of being a follower of Jesus Christ, of being a Christian, but it's connected to spiritual warfare. And when we're honest regarding spiritual warfare and the things we come across in this life, if we're honest, we will admit we see dimly. We don't see clearly now. We don't come with full understanding of all that's taking place on the earth. And we live on this earth and we don't understand it all. Job's story is a scenario of such kingdom suffering and pain. When you begin to open the book of Job, it sets the context of God and Satan having a conversation. It sets the context of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare on a global scale. And once it sets the context of this global scale of spiritual warfare, it sucks Job right into this global spiritual warfare and this kingdom hostility. See, Job is suffering because he is a believer. Job is suffering because he is a follower of Christ. But listen to me, it's in a way more mysterious than Paul and Silas when they were preaching the gospel and people got upset and they threw them in prison and they're there chained together worshiping God in prison. There's not mystery surrounding that. They're clear. They're suffering as a believer. It's good pain. But they're more clear on why they're suffering the good pain because they were just preaching the gospel. But Job doesn't have that clarity. It's more mysterious. Job is like, what in the world's going on? Still suffering as a follower of Christ. But it's mysterious. Way more mysterious than just being thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. And Jesus says about this in Matthew eleven twelve: 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Notice that there is this conflict. There is this global spiritual warfare. And what is the purpose then of this kingdom pain? What is the purpose of this good pain? But it's surrounded by such mystery. Here it is, listen. Kingdom pain is to produce kingdom qualities forming, manifesting, and becoming visible in your life. Kingdom pain is to produce kingdom qualities forming, manifesting, and becoming visible in your life. You see it in Job. The Bible says in James 5 and talking about the story of Job that God knew the end he intended from the beginning. And the end intended, if you go read the story, was to get kingdom qualities of forgiveness, kingdom qualities of mercy, kingdom quality of loving those who wronged you, of forgiving people that are wronged you. The goal was God getting the kingdom qualities in Job to show up on the outside of Job. And the Bible says when the kingdom qualities were formed and manifest and got on the outside of Job, then he blessed them twofold. 
So there might be tears in the night and there might be tears and pain on the journey. But there still is joy in the morning. You might be in a difficult season and it might even be a season like Job that's surrounding not with complete clarity on why you're experiencing some of the suffering you are. But we have a hope that just as Jesus overcame, that there is blessing and kingdom qualities and God working his good in us and through us on the other side. Notice again our two opening passages started with therefore. When you see the word therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. And what Peter is saying is, is it two conjunction points in 1 Peter? He's saying, after all that I've said and everything I've said up to this point, because of what I've said, therefore there should be a response. Two times. What did he say? He says, therefore because of what I've said, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober, be no longer ignorant, have some understanding. And what kind of understanding does he say that we should have? He says, understand that since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Have some understanding regarding pain. Just like Christ suffered, have some understanding. Peter is saying, because of all that I've been saying, no longer be ignorant but instead have an understanding mind, a mind that understands pain, understands good pain, understands bad pain, understands purposes behind the different pain, understands that growth can happen through pain. But what else does Peter speak about that he has determined should help us to understand pain in our life? Well, let's start. We're going to go verse by verse, starting in verse 1 of 1 Peter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatians, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Notice what he says. He says an apostle. That means a sent one. Then he says to the pilgrims. What does that mean? It means that believers, this is not your home. So number one, to understand the pain is to understand the place. Believers, you're here on earth. You're not in your home yet. When you begin to understand pain, you begin to understand the place that you're at, that you're in a broken world. You're in a world that is not your home, that this is not the long place that you're going to be in, that we live in a world that has been affected by sin and rebellion and things have went drastically wrong. See, one of the things that pain can help us do is understand the place we're in now. We're pilgrims. We're on this earth. He says to the believers, you've been scattered, you've been suffering, you've been experiencing painful moments, but this helps you understand the place. This helps you understand that where you're at is not your home, that this is not where you shall be forever, that you were created for a different environment, that you were created to be in a place where there will be tears that run down your eyes no more, that you were created for a place where the sorrow and the pain is removed, where death no longer has its sting, where joy and the kingdom of God prevails. You were created for that place. And pain reminds us, though, that we're not in that place yet. And we're still pilgrims. It gives us the understanding that the place we live in is affected by sin. Something terrible went wrong that the Garden of Eden we read about in Genesis was no longer available to us. That God sent an angel after man's sin and with flaming sword to guard 
and keep us from it. To understand that where we live now is what's called age two. You no longer live under Satan's dominion and reign if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and yet we've not entered age three, the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ where every wrong is righted. Where the lamb lies down with the lion. We don't live in that. We're longing for him to visibly come and rule over the nations. So pain reminds us that though we're no longer captive and a slave to sin, we're also not yet in the full manifestation of the kingdom of God. Pain reminds us the place that we're at in God's time clock towards eternity. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you. Notice what he says. He says, followers of Jesus Christ, you've been born again to a living hope. Jesus Christ is the living hope. He went before you and where he at is your ultimate home place. That the place you're currently in in your marriage, the place you're currently in in your business, the place you're currently in in your relationships, the place you're currently in in your spiritual growth is not the lasting home place. You're in a temporary place and the pain reminds you that you are not in the lasting place yet. But the pain in this place helps us begin to get a passion and a longing to be in that place. Because Jesus is coming back, the Bible says with people who along with the Holy Spirit says come Lord Jesus come. They're not pushing Jesus back. They're not saying don't come back Jesus. They are longing. Why? Because they understand that the pain in this place has created a passion and a longing to be in that place where we'll see him face to face and we'll no longer see dimly all the pain and the trails of how he's led us that's weaved us through pain in different places in our life will become clear because now when we see him face to face we'll understand clearly no longer dimly but clearly so pain in this place creates passion to be in that place called home the psalmist said as the deer pants for the water brook so my soul longs for thee Pain can help you understand the place where you're at in your spiritual growth, the place in your marriage where communication needs to get better, where you need to make some wise decisions or some major crossroads in your business. Pain can help you understand the place that you're at towards God's purpose and best for your life. Verse 2, he says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit. For obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. What's he saying? Listen. He says, understand that in this place, this broken place called earth, we're not always guaranteed that earthly things, earthly ambitions, earthly goals will be multiplied. But in this place, we are promised that grace and peace can be multiplied to us even in the place of this broken world. That even when things on the outside, earthly prosperity and earthly plans and earthly pursuits don't go the way that we long for, the way we hope, the way we dreamed of, that though those things not be multiplied, God's grace and peace can still be multiplied in the place that you find yourself today. In a place of brokenness, in a place difficulty in a place of pain, you can have grace and peace multiplied to you. You can have God's influence multiplied to you even in the place that you're at. You don't have to wait until heaven to have God's 
grace and peace multiplied in your life. You can have the peace that surpasses understanding multiplied right in the midst of the place of where you're at. You can have God's grace and strengthening and comfort be multiplied to you right in the place that you're at. Understand the place. Understand the place. Then he continues in verse 5. He says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. To understand the pain is not only to understand the place we're at and the timeline towards eternity and the place that we're at in our life and on this journey, but to understand the pain is also to understand the power. Notice what he said. He says, you're kept by the power of God. If our living hope, Jesus Christ, who went first before us into heaven was kept from decay by God's power raising him from the dead after three days, then God's power can keep you from the decay of sin, from the decay of deception, from the decay of the enemy pushing you back and taking you back to the old place, the old friends, the old place of how you used to manage pain, the old sins, the old passions. If God's power kept Jesus' body from decay, then God's power can keep you from the decay, the pollutions, and the sin, and the lust of this world. Listen, we're not kept by our own power but we can be kept by God's power in the place that we're at and I know that you are experiencing maybe some pain and suffering and the enemy would like nothing else to cause you to allow that pain to push you back into old dysfunctions, into old places into old people, into old relationships, into old pain management and escapism through drugs and alcohol but this is what pain can help you understand that even in the midst of pain God's got power that can keep you, that can keep you faithful to what God's called you to do, that can keep you faithful in your praise and sacrifice sacrifice unto God. That God's got the same power that kept Jesus when he's nailed and on the cross. He's still able to say forgive them. He's still able to pray. He's still able to worship God. To trust God. God's got a power to keep you in the place that you are. You don't have to wait just to heaven to know God's power. You in this sin driven broken world in a broken place in a hurting place can have God's power keep you. Keep you. He can keep you. I love what Vine, who was a a Greek scholar, talked about when the word salvation in the Bible, what it means. It means to have present encounters with God's power. Some of you have had some encounters with God's power in the past. But see, you can understand that the context of your pain right now is for you to have a present encounter with God's power in the place that you're at. Where can you have an encounter with God's power? In the place that you're at. Right in the midst of your pain. Right in the midst of what you're going through. God wants His power to become present to you in that place. We don't have to wait to the sweet by and by to experience God's power. In the broken world, in a rebellious rebellious world, in a hurting world, right in this place we can experience God's power. A power that keeps us from being conformed to the place of the people in the world around us to keep us from living like everybody else. But there is a power that can keep us on the path of following Jesus Christ towards the ultimate home place. Where Jesus Christ, our living hope, is at. Is at. Jesus was offered sour wine and he was offered to what would today be considered pills and and liquor to escape the pain and he denied it. In his place, he depended on God's power. So now in your place, his power can come so that you don't have to be driven back to pain management in a way that is not good. He stayed alert-minded for you. 
Understand the power. The power is for you to experience it now in the place. This is the context where we need God's power. We don't need God's power in the context where there's no devil and no flesh and no broken world in heaven. This is the context now that we need to be kept by God's power. Pain reminds us that we are fragile. But God is endlessly faithful. Pain reminds us that we are weak. But He is endlessly strong. That we are weary, but God never sleeps nor slumbers. And the good pain of fellowshipping with the sufferings of Christ is the context of having present encounters with God's power. Peter continues in 1 Peter 1.6, he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, to understand the pain is to understand the pure. To understand the pain is not only to understand the place that we're at in God's timeline and the place that we're at in our life towards, on the journey towards eternity. And not only understand the power that can keep us in this place of this broken world, but it also then when we understand the place we're at and we understand God's power, we can understand then the pure. Pure what? Pure faith. Notice he says, hey believers, if you've been grieved, if you've been grieved by various trials, he says so that, that means for the intent, for the go, for the purpose. What? What are the grievance and the various trials for? That you can understand genuine faith. That your faith can be purified. It can be tested by fire. A pure faith. What is that? A faith that no longer follows Jesus just to use Jesus for what we can get. We follow Jesus because where else can we go? He alone has the words of eternal life. We have been apprehended by the pure love and the pure faith that Jesus modeled. Trials help purify our faith that we're no longer living for comfort, but we are living now for the cause of Christ in us and through us. See, this is pure faith. This is understanding the pure love of God. Not how the world thinks love is. But the pure love of God. Listen, we don't have to wonder what pure love looks like anymore. He tells us in 1 John 3, 16, the Apostle John. He says, by this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You want to know what pure love looks like? It looks like Jesus leaving the home place. And coming to this broken world, this hurting world. This needy world being kept by the power of God and yet remaining pure, pure faith, pure following the Father. How? By no longer living for himself and his will, but allowing the Father to live through him to help the hurting people around him. That's pure faith. Not just obeying Jesus when it's comfortable and it's convenient for us, but obeying Jesus no matter what he asks of us because where else can we go? We've been apprehended by the pure love of God displayed. Through the cross, he says, he laid down his life for us. Why? That we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. See, pure faith understands what the Bible actually says. And Peter speaks of us desiring the pure milk of the word, not just the pleasurable milk of the word. See, you'll never find a Bible app 
that sends you a little verse of the day, that's going to send you ever a verse that's not the desirable or the popular verse. They're not going to send you a word of encouragement that don't seem pleasurable. The issue is, is God allows pain to purify our faith that if God's word to me today is take up your cross in this area, I say, Lord, it's not my life anymore. When I repented and placed faith in you, my life became your life and you've apprehended me for your purpose and you alone know how to get the most glory, the most fruit out of me for you. That this is what pure faith is. This is what the Bible says. That that Jesus died and rose for us who will no longer live for themselves but live for him who died and rose for them. The Bible says that Jesus came and he died that he might be Lord over all. That he would be Lord over every area of my life. He would be Lord over every sphere and every place of my life. This is a pure faith. Pure faith. The Bible says pure faith looks like taking up your cross daily and denying yourself and following him. The Bible says that he was given for us that we might live for righteousness. That's pure faith. And trials purify our love for him. Jesus said, when you fall deeply in love for me, the result, the manifestation, is you will obey me. You don't obey to prove your love. You fall into love. And that pure love says, Lord, if it's a cross, Lord, if it's a challenge, Lord, if you say go left, then where else can I go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And when all many more many disciples, it says a multitude of disciples were leaving Jesus in John 6, he turns to the 12 and says, do you want to leave also? And Peter says, where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Listen, you can get some words about this life and you can get some popular words about this life but only Jesus has the words of eternal life a quality of life that even in the midst of this place even in the midst of this pain that there is a power that can keep you there is a joy that's unexpeakable and full of glory there is a peace that can surpass your understanding right in the place of your pain you can be kept for God's purpose working in you and through you understand the pure Jesus talks about this. He says in Matthew 13 and verse 20 that there are many who receive the seed on stony places. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Why? For when tribulation or persecution, when pain shows up, when difficulty shows up, arises, why? Because of the word. You got Christ the word on the inside of you and pain reminds you that you're in a place that's hostile to the one that's on the inside of you. You're in a place that is against Christ and the spirit that's in your life. And pain reminds us that it's coming because there is the pure one, there is the perfect one, Jesus Christ on the inside of you and it's trying to get you to walk away from trusting that he knows how to use pain and a process to get the perfect one to manifest and show up on the outside of you. And he said, there's many who walk, but when things get painful and difficulty, they endure only for a while, and immediately he stumbles. But see, pure faith and pure love leads to what the psalmist grew to know. Psalms 119 and 165, great peace have those who love your law. Notice that. It's not great peace to those that everything's going perfect in the outward world. 
in the place of this broken earth, but great peace have those who what? Who love what God is saying to them in this moment, saying to them in this season. Great peace have those who love him. You alone have the words of eternal life. Where else can I go? And notice what he says to them. Or he says, and nothing causes them to stumble. Listen to me, that's pure faith. That is a faith that's been purified, that understands my life is no longer my life. God knows how to get the most glory of his presence and the person of Christ on the outside of me. And it's a pure faith that says, Lord, though I can't understand it all, I trust you. Lord, all I know is that your words ultimately on the other side of tears enduring for a night, on the other side of a cross, on the other side of the grave, somehow your word still brings resurrection. It still brings joy. It still brings quality and victory into my life. You alone, the words of eternal life. Great peace of those who love your law. Next Peter continues in 1 Peter 1.9. It says, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicated when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Then look at 1 Peter 2.21. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should Follow. What is Peter saying? He's saying to understand the pain is to understand the pattern. See, the truth of the matter is, is that when you understand the place that you're at in a broken world, in a sin-driven world, in a world that is rebellious against the Spirit of Christ and the one that you follow, and you understand the need of God's power to keep you in the place that you're at, and you understand that God uses pain to purify your faith, that you're going to trust Him even when you don't understand, even when it's not easy for you, you're going to obey and take a step to what He's spoken to you depending on His grace, that then and only then when you understand the place, you understand the power, you understand the pure, can you begin to see and understand the pattern? The pattern of what? He said, Jesus left us an example. We should follow in his footsteps. And it said the prophets of old searched and inquired about this pattern. And they found out that the pattern was sufferings first, glories to follow. Jesus left the home place, came to this broken world, and took up the cross, and he had good suffering by only doing what the Father asked him to do. They nailed him to the cross. He suffered. He was rejected by the ones that he created. The pattern is sufferings first, but glories to follow. Many people don't understand the pattern because they don't understand the place we're at in the timeline of God. They don't understand that God wants to display His power to keep us in the midst of this place and they don't understand pure faith that I'm not just following Jesus for Him to do what I want Him to do for my life. I gave up my life when I repented and He's apprehended me. He indwells me and my life is now His life. And the pattern is sufferings beforehand but glories afterward. That is what Jesus 
when he said, follow me, and Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, they meant this, follow the pattern. The pattern of what life in Jesus looks like. The pattern of what a community following Jesus looks like. The pattern of what practicing righteousness looks like in obedience to the Father. Philippians 3.17, Paul says, Brethren, join in following my example. Note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Notice that. Many walk. But watch this. For many walk, of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping, they're enemies of the cross of Christ. Listen to me. They're not enemies of Jesus. And they're not enemies of the Scripture. But see, I can control Jesus by making Him into the image that I want Him to be. I can control the Scripture. I can put it on a shelf when I want and take it off the shelf when I want. I can open it when I want. I can close it when I want. But they're enemies of the cross. Because the cross is the pattern that those like who follow Jesus, Paul, and all through the community of faith, suffering first, but glories to follow. Suffering first, but glory to follow. You ever went down a wrong way street and had a wreck? I hope not. I just got back from Dwelling Place Orlando and flew in early Friday morning. So by flying early meant I was up early. I was up late. I didn't sleep good. So I get into Atlanta. When I left late Wednesday night to go down there, the, the parking lot, the normal parking lot at the Atlanta airport was full. I mean, they're making some money on the parking. My goodness. So they had to direct me to a place I'd never been before. It was, it was a park and ride lot. So when I get back, I find myself in this place that I'm not used to, and I'm trying to get to the place that I am used to, my house. I'm tired, right? I'm in a place I don't know. And I turn on this highway, and then I realize I've just turned on the off-ramp of an interstate, and cars are coming full thing. God in his mercy kept me and I realized before we got close and then I heard a lady honk and I quickly did a U-turn. See, that example is for some of us. Pain wants to reveal to us that we're not following the pattern of Jesus. We might be following the pattern of America or the pattern of a preacher on TV or our pattern of someone we listen to. But the pattern of Jesus is suffering first and then glories to follow. Listen, you read the end of Job. He had some good things in life. But the pattern to get the things in life where they don't rule your heart is it's going to be suffering first and glories to follow. Just like when I was 18, 19, I left my, you know, my middle class home and family and sold all my name brand clothes and my gold chains and took my limited items and stuffed it in my Honda CRV and had cash in my pocket. And I moved down to Savannah, Georgia and moved in with the minister and ministry. And I lived above the ministry and it was jacked up messy. <laughs> Sufferings first to understand then God's wisdom and God, how he gets glory out of money. It's a cross first, but there's glories to follow. It's the pattern. It's the pattern. Then he continues lastly in 1 Peter 4.12. says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. It's though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent 
that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with, him, with exceeding joy. Chad's sufferings? No. Our sufferings? No. Your sufferings? No. Notice what Peter calls them. He calls them Christ's sufferings. Because your life is hidden in Christ. And your life is now seen by God to be in Christ. What you're going through is considered as Christ's sufferings. You're wondering if God cares. You're wondering if God understands. He understands. Because it's called His suffering. He is well acquainted, well aware, and very present in the place that you're at. He takes it so personal that Scripture says it's His suffering. Because your life is no longer your life. It's His life. What is Peter saying? He's saying to understand the pain is to understand the person of Jesus Christ. Think about it. A world made by its creator creates a cross to crucify Jesus, the firstborn of creation on. Jesus was born. He leaves his place. He comes, leaves heaven. He comes to this place on earth. And at his birth, he wants to bring hope. He wants to bring life. He wants to bring joy. He wants to bring comfort to the afflicting and the suffering and the confused. And yet when he's born, his presence, his very person brings pain for other people. What do I mean? Thousands of mothers are weeping and fathers are dealing with anger because thousands of babies are being murdered because Christ has been born. Herod is slaughtering children because Christ and His person is born. You ever felt like that things in your life has caused pain in others? You ever felt like that what God's doing in you or even mistakes you've done, it's brought pain? Listen, Jesus understands. Jesus shows up on the earth and His very birth causes thousands of homes to have their child murdered. Moses is raised up by God to be sent. To bring God's people out. He shows up and the Bible makes it very clear. Pharaoh makes it worse for the people of God. You're talking about a creator that so loves and wants to help his creation. He so wants to bring his life. He so wants to bring peace and joy. And yet when he shows up, because we're in this conflict and we're in this place that's broken and rebellious against God, pain begins to take place. I tell you, he understands. Considered his suffering. We're selling our home, Michelle and I, and in the context of a text talking to someone about what is taking place in Orlando, in that context, they text us and said, are you moving? And I said, oh, this is a good opportunity to play with them. And I said, yes, but not to Orlando. <laughs> Our house is for sale, but we're, we're staying in this region. But I say that to say we've been looking at some homes and, and the agent. I hadn't shared. I didn't even know she knew what 
my wife and I did. I hadn't shared. I found out Michelle had shared a little bit about what we do. But I felt the prompting for the first time this week to just talk to her a little about my pain, my testimony, my suffering, and my relationship with Christ. You know what she said? She said, I don't believe it. I could never see that. See, listen to me. Some of us, we see so dimly when we read Scripture. We see what we want to see in Jesus. It's easy to think we know a person by what we see outwardly. But when I began to share of my pain and my suffering and testimony, just a piece, she began to know me more. See, to understand the pain is to understand the person of Christ. To know Him, know Him. To be deeply acquainted with who He is, His heart. You get nothing else out of the pain that you experience and you're in. May the pain help you to understand the person of Christ more deeply. He was rejected by his own. Crucified by the world he created. Who though he could heal every person, he had to stay submitted to the Father's will and only healed those that the Lord led him on the path that he was on. Though he could have took care of world poverty, the Lord didn't allow him to spend that much time on the earth taking that. He had to obey the cross that what the Father had. Listen, he knows where you're at. He knows your place. He knows he has the power to keep you. He knows that he can use this to purify your faith and trust in him. And through it all, you'll become clear of the pattern that there is some suffering first, but on the other hand, there is rewards. There is glories. That the current place is not your lasting place. It's not your home place and we are a peculiar people because at the end of the day all I bring and all I can tell you is somehow God in his wisdom used the cross and used that which is despised by men in this world and through the cross and through the difficulty he can capture people's heart he could have came with the sword and made us bow down and confess him but he first chose sufferings first to show pure love he laid down his life to apprehend you to woo you, to draw you. And in your pain, you can know a greater, greater fellowship with the person of Jesus Christ. People come to the Lord. So amazing because it can only be by God's Spirit because pure faith, all we have to offer, it's a message of the cross. A cross that's made a way for the invisible God to come on the inside of you and to give you what's not visible, peace and joy and acceptance and a sense that heaven's your home and that your current place isn't your lasting place and your current pain one day is going to fade away. That there is a joy that's unspeakable, full of glory and a peace that surpasses all understanding. But that's all we bring today. It's a message that there is a God through Christ who deeply understands the place that you're at but who has the power to keep you. Who wants to purify your trust in Him just like He trusted the Father through His own suffering, through His own cross. But you began to display the wisdom of God with every head bowed and every eye closed. You're here today and you know the Holy Spirit has spoke to you at some point. I want to know that 
so I can pray with you. Just raise your hand up and right back down. Yes, 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 all over. Maybe you're here today. You're in a place that's still separated from God because Jesus said no man can come back to the Father, the original home place of yet through me. But to do that, you got to understand that your life can never please God. You can never forgive yourself. You can never change yourself. And you're willing to turn from your life and surrender your life to the one that loved you so much. He gave up his place, came to this broken place, took your place on the cross. So now the very person of God's Holy Spirit can take place in your heart and change you. And his power can keep you until that day. If you need to make Jesus Lord of your life, repent of your sin. Place trust in one who loves you so deeply, who understands. Just raise your hand up and right back down, making Jesus Lord. Jesus Lord. You can confess that right there. Say, Jesus, be Lord. Come into the place of my life. Be Lord and leader. Be Lord and leader. I, I give you who I am for all that you are. As they begin to sing, I want us to stand and begin to worship. At the end of this declaration, we're going to take a person who's made recently that confession of Jesus as Lord and celebrate publicly the next step of water baptism. As they worship, I want you to make a declaration. Make this your declaration. That in this place that you're at, in the pain you're facing, He's all that you need. He's got the power to keep you. He's purifying your life to be a model of the very person of Christ. And through this, you're going to know that you know Him deeply. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's go. You know, one of the core values of dwelling place is memorable moments. One of those memorable moments Jesus calls all of those who follow him, that confess him as Lord and leader of their life, is to identify with him through water baptism. You can be seated if you'd like. Identifying that his cross was actually your cross. And his burial was actually the burial of the old Tim. Today we celebrate step of obedience and a memorable moment in Tim Simmons' life. Our joy and honor. He does it before a community. He makes the good confession that Jesus Christ is his Lord. And we want to, in this time, invite him to the waters of baptism. Amen. You say, why don't we sprinkle? Well, the same reason why one of Jesus's feet wasn't sticking out of the tomb. <laughs> the whole body was in the tomb. And it's identifying that all of Tim's old life, all of it has passed away. And behold, all things have become new on the inside. He's a new creation. And he longs for his body to become new. And so what Jesus has done, he said, Though your body doesn't become new until our return, through baptism it washes and it sanctifies and presents this body for the new Tim and for Christ in him to now use this body to glorify God and no longer Tim or sin. Tim, do you confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that he's the Lord and leader of your life? 
Yes, I do. Is there anything you want to share about what Jesus has done in your life? No? Amen. Amen. Well, he shared with me, and I'm grateful of what Jesus has done. And it's just a pattern and example of what he can do for all of us and for all of humanity. Amen. Well, on your profession and confession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Tim's a new man, but he's also got him a new woman. Many of you know Tim and Melissa, and they officially got engaged last night, and we celebrate being a part of this journey and God's will for your life. Let me pray for you. Now may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his hand and the power of his Holy Spirit be upon you. May he keep you from evil that you may cause no pain. May you go in the peace in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, may the blessing of God's Spirit remain upon you, work within you, and flow through you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Invite. We'll see many of you Thursday. See you Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.